I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The men had spent the night drinking and complaining about the theft of their horses. They continued to argue about how best to get them back. They drank and bickered late into the night and into the early hours of the next day, when suddenly one noticed that another horse was gone. What happened next was one of the worst massacres on Canadian soil. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. What's up, everybody? I'm Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. So if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. We would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Turtle Island. Okay, Coda, what do you think we're talking about today? Well, it's Canadian history, so I'm significantly less interested already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, when you said uh, bloodshed on, uh, I was like, bloodshed, ooh, and then you said on Canadian, so I'm like, oh. <laughs> I mean, there's like... Canadian history generally sucks. That's not true. Well, I I feel like I'm not the only one that feels that, but uh, to each their own, I guess. Uh, so there's these unobservant canadian hosers and their uh their 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 horses were stolen eh and they gotta get them back so they're arguing at the bar there's not a lot of mystery here because you kind of just told me out flat what it is but (laughs) but they uh we don't say but well a boot you know so it's boot okay Okay, I don't talk to me. I'm fucking Canadian, eh? So, <laughs> so they uh, uh, these hosers, they're arguing, and then out from under their their hosing noses, there comes a, a a man in the night, a shadowy figure, if you will, mm-hmm. and he's disguised as a mountie. Because ah. we have RCMP here, we the do. Mounties, they ride horses. That they do. They need. No, he's not disguised as a Mountie. He is a Mountie, <laughs> and he needs to uh, uh, he needs to get uh, a horse because they need. There's lots of recruits. Everybody wants to be a Mountie during whatever the hell time period <laughs> this is, eh? So the criminal is a Mountie, is what I'm I saying. I like that. Yeah, it seems about Th- right. Thank you. ACAB. I'm, yeah, I might talk a little more in a Canadian accent throughout this, though. That sounds great, eh? Thanks. That sounds great, eh? Yeah, I actually say a a lot. <laughs> yeah, we we all do, unfortunately. <laughs> I catch myself saying it sometimes. I mean, let me know, listeners, if you think if I, you think we sound Canadian. I personally don't like. Obviously, when I do my Canadian accent, which is spot on, right? But I think generally, I sound. You could mistake me for an American. Yeah. Uh, when I lived in Korea, my Canadian accent got stronger, but that's because really? I hung out with like some other Canadian people. I don't oh. know. It was weird. Weird. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting how you're, depending on the people you're around, you're kind of, you can slip in and out of like, uh, 
Like, so when I'm in the city, I talk a little bit more loosey-goosey, you know, like <laughs> like I am now, just loosey-goosey. Yeah. They call me Loose Dakota. That um, is what we call you. <laughs> <laughs> but when I go home, back home to Beachy, I'm all like, well, time to uh, wrangle up them horses. That is, I've, to, I've heard you say that. Time to go on the ranch, I've, you know? I've heard you say that a but lot. But I, I, get, I get more into the, like, I have a strong voice, whereas in the city, I'm like... I'm just free. I'm feeling myself, you know? That This is all factually correct. It is. Yeah. So, anyways. Well, so anyways, at the beginning of the summer, you and I went to Cypress Hills to go camping. Oh, is this about that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, cool. I probably should have known this. But <laughs> yeah. So, and as a part of that trip, we made a stop at Fort Walsh, where we learned about the historical event. Uh, the Cypress Hills Massacre, from some of the indigenous knowledge keepers there. So that was Matthew Spencer and Dusky, two men from Carry the Kettle First Nation. Um, and they were there to share the history that they had learned from the Nakota elders on their reserve. Yeah, they were they were dope. They were very, uh, very nice. And uh, did we talk about this at all? No, we didn't. Oh, yeah. So we, we got to go in a, in a teepee and just kind of like hear, you know, their stories about kind of what happened and... Uh, a lot of this history isn't in the historical textbooks. And um, Matthew, he was uh, a, hist- a history teacher yeah. on a reserve, and he's trying to change that and get more of this, what actually happened into the history books. Yeah. We also played a game, which was really cool. Called and we Ma- won. Yeah, we won. That's <laughs> the most important thing. Uh, we won against some Alber- Albertans, eh? <laughs> so it's called moccasins, but they didn't have any moccasins on them, so they used... Uh, uh, animal fur we had yeah. what, what do we have a badger a fox what else a weasel no <laughs> no not a weasel uh, a fa- I don't uh know. Oh, the thing that they, they eat food off their tummies an otter uh, otter <laughs> there was an otter there was an otter yeah um oh yeah anyways so they they put they put a the guy uh dusky he like pretended to put a rock uh, underneath each of the things and then under each of the the furs and then you had to guess which one it was under yep. and uh he, he was very convincing at make it look like it was under and if you got it wrong the next person the next team would try the to guess the albertans eh they would try to guess which one it wasn't under right and uh yeah it went back and forth liz was very happy that we won so. I I need to not be so competitive. Yeah, we stomped their asses right back to do red deer, eh? That's right there, bud. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, that story was what I wanted to talk about today, the Cypress Hills Massacre, um, because you've mentioned it, alluded it, that as a history teacher, I actually had never heard about this. Which is crazy. I know. That's what I thought so, too. So I wanted to do some research and figure it out what this was all about. Try again? That's what I said. What this is all... A boot. A boot. <laughs> <laughs> We're Canadians here. We have to live up to the stereotype that we say a boot. Yeah. I want yeah. to know what was all a boot. Yeah. No, that wasn't Canadian at all. <laughs> no, you threw some like English in there a little bit. Crikey, I want to know what is all a boot. Now you're Australian? You're like an Aus- yeah, you're like an... Uh, I'm like an Australian um, trying to trick people and thinking I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's your golden nugget? Uh, we're moving in a few days. Yeah, that's not a golden nugget for me, but I Well, mean, I mean, it's I hate moving. Like yeah, I yeah. like I've packed most of this house. I have 
done all that organizing. I've been yeah. selling a lot of furniture. Yeah, you've been doing all that while I've that, been drinking a lot. Yeah. I'm just, I'm an alcoholic. That's not what I'm like, saying. I'm like, oh, Stop it. get back to, uh, get back to work. So um, what I'm trying to say woman. is, what I'm trying to say is I like that part mm. of moving. Like I like packing. I like doing all of that. But the actual physical moving of objects, like picking stuff up, carrying it places, and then putting it back down just makes me fucking rage like i it is probably one of my least favorite and most disgusted by that's a weird way of saying (laughs) that things to do and so like we've had this conversation like i i felt really selfish because like Mm. people when they move i will never offer to help and like that can kind of cause you know hurt feelings on the part of the people who are moving but i feel like i'm helpful in lots of other ways Like, I will, you know, I'll say I'll help people paint or I'll do other helpful things for them. But, like, I just cannot help a person move. I hate it so fucking much. Like, I cannot even put into words how much I hate moving. So, I'm not trying to be selfish when I don't offer you to help move. When I don't offer to help you move. I just... You know what? I just hate it. I love how my golden nugget turned into (laughs) your lump of coal mixed mixed with a, a dash of... I'm a good person, okay? <laughs> I, like, help people in other ways, okay? Like, I'll pray for you. Shut up. <laughs> but, like, I won't help you move. <laughs> I'm uh, not a bad person. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyways. Yes, your golden nugget story. Yeah, thanks for derailing us. I mean, wh- who do you think you are derailing this podcast from the actual subject matter, taking us off course into a very <laughs> weird space. weird place. Who would do that? I don't know. So, yeah, we're we're, we're moving temporarily into uh, your sister's uh, basement for yep. two months until our house is done. Yeah. But uh, so it's not like it's not as exciting as it you know could, could be. be. You know, it'll be more exciting in two months. But it's a stepping stone. Yep. So you know we're we're gonna be. Saying goodbye to this house. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we. this was our first house that we lived in together. That's true. Oh. Yeah. So, so cute. So, yeah, I think it's going to be. And also, I just want to point out, when she says she packed the entire house herself, like, that's, that's, that's accurate. But I was also, like, through through my job, uh, the my work place was moving. And so I was doing this, but over there. <laughs> yeah, and this so. isn't a dig at you. I know. I just want people to not think I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Because they were like, when you said you packed the whole house, they were like, I think Dakota drinks too much. (laughs) That's exactly what they were thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your golden nugget? Yeah, I have a new therapy appointment booked on Tuesday. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Yes. I was thinking about this. um, Well, actually, I don't know where I'm going with this sentence, but uh, I, I love therapy. I think everybody should be in therapy. And I found that during the pandemic, it was really hard to find therapists. I think lots of people were accessing mental health services, which is really, which is a really great thing. But um, it was hard for, and then my my therapist just like, their um, company just literally closed down and didn't tell anybody. And then I can't find my therapist. So I, I, I think you got ghosted. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, so I'm, I have a, like an intake meeting with a new person on Tuesday, which I'm very excited yeah. for. I hope it's, I hope it goes well. Um, yeah. You know, 
I had this realization the other day that uh, I'm really bad at keeping friends, mm-hmm. and I that was really hard for me for some reason. Yeah, you kind of had a breakdown a little bit. I did, yeah. So if I was ever your friend, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I Kaylee thinks that I have ADHD, and that's, I guess, part of ADHD. I don't think I do, but we'll see. I don't know. I think, you know, we just have antisocial behaviors. <laughs> yeah, and, like, it's not for lack of, like not wanting to be these people's friends like I do and like I don't want to hurt anybody I don't I hope I really hope that I didn't hurt anybody by just like disappearing into the ether but it's not like I'm like a I don't like these people so I'm running away or anything I just I don't know I feel like I get distracted that's fair yeah so friendships for me I like people they're good they're cool I just like I said I get uh get distracted yeah, that's fair. I mean, you get distracted by, like, your husband who yeah. drinks too much. Well, <laughs> so I know this intro is getting a little bit long, but one thing that my sister was talking about in terms of people who have ADHD, it's kind mm. of, like, out of sight, out of mind. And so yeah. that really resonated with me because when I lived in Korea, yeah. I barely talked to my family. Like, I kind yeah. of forgot that they existed. Yeah. So it made me think, is that? is that what happens when i have friendships too that like it's not that i don't want to be that person's friend it's just that i'm like i kind of forget that they're in existence so again like i said if i was ever your friend and i (laughs) fucked off i'm i apologize i don't know it's something i've been thinking about lately so yeah totally and i'm i'm similar in the sense that i get i get what you're saying with you know out of sight out of mind because like yeah like you know for my family and stuff like that they're they're in our lives and stuff like that they're around a lot and stuff but like you know friends that i only see every few months or like once a year if that like like i love when we get together it's amazing but i don't i have trouble thinking about the things that aren't happening in my immediate life Mm -hmm. you know the things around me so um something i guess we could work on but yeah i mean and that's the thing right like it's it's a thing that you have to be actually like mindful of yeah yeah Yeah. and i and also too like we just went through a pandemic so it was a little bit harder to like keep continually practicing that skill like it is a skill to well it's a skill i guess but like to be like hey i'm going to call my friend today i am going to check in with them today you know when we can't Mm -hmm. see them so we kind of i think fell into well me i'll speak for myself i think fell into bad habits through the pandemic and i'm like bad habits lead to late nights (laughs) and alone is that you You, that's me (laughs) your your drug addiction would end up to you leaving spending time alone yep exactly anyways this has gone on way too long so let's get into this story well i was trying to delay the canadian history stop it yeah So before we begin, I want to acknowledge again that I come from settlers in Canada who have benefited from the displacement of First Nations on both Treaty 4 and Treaty 6 territory. Yeah. Everyone knows you're white, dear. (laughs) (laughs) The Cypress Hills exist in what is today both Saskatchewan and Alberta. As my mom continually liked to tell us while we were on that camping trip, they are the highest point in Canada between Labrador and the Rocky Mountains. (laughs) Why did she continue to like to tell you that? <laughs> I don't know. It was just something she kept telling me. Did you like, know yeah. that this is the highest point between Labrador and whatever the fuck else you said? Rocky Mountains. Rocky Mountains. Yeah. She was very proud of it. I don't know. She's proud of this thing that she knows, I guess? <laughs> I don't know. Or that, that this was in Saskatchewan and it's high. Mm, it's tall. Yeah. It's like, it's like the saying, okay, I've heard this before. People who live in Saskatchewan. So typically Saskatchewan is known as we're very flat. Like mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're we're a very flat chested province. <laughs> and um people 
I've noticed like to say like when you see like Haley Arias and uh, Saskatchewan people will be like and they say that Saskatchewan they do flat. say that that's a thing that, that's a thing yeah we, we and there say. are quite a few hills around here so there are know. yeah there is a lot of flat too but yeah. you know um you know we got some big bosomed hills that in we these do parts. that we do yes so Historically, Cypress Hills were a meeting area for a number of First Nations people, including the Cree, Nakoda, Ahani, Blackfoot, Nakawe, Dakota, Lakota, and Crow people. Not to be mistaken with me. That's right. During the 19th century, Métis settled in the hills, hunting and often wintering in the area. As such, the area is known by a number of indigenous names, and I'm going to apologize before I pronounce these. I did look them up and listen to pronunciations of them. I've written them down phonetically. But I think as we've discovered doing this podcast, I actually very much suck at pronunciations in any other language other than English. So That's true. Yeah. So in Blackfoot, the area was called Aikimikui, which means striped earth or earth over earth. Which, sorry, this I'm I'm gonna I'm terrible, but I'm gonna say uh, I what was it? I can't I, I <laughs> Which means Large department store where you can find lots of cheap goods. No, it doesn't. Like Ikea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. In Cree, it is called Munatogao, meaning an area to be respected, protected, take care of, and taken care with. Early Métis hunters who spoke Métis French called the hills Les Montagnes de Cepri in reference to the abundance of jack pine trees in the area. Suffice it to say, the area held extreme importance to the groups of people who were living here before colonization. This land was far away and hard to reach for the people of Hudson's Bay trading posts on the Red and Saskatchewan rivers, so the colonizers. The Hudson Bay Company was really the group in charge of this area in the years just after Confederation. In fact, it was the company who first owned the land and was forced to sell the area to Great Britain for about $1.5 million in 1869. <laughs> I think that's so fascinating that a company, like a company, is mm. what created this country. You know, it wasn't like a, wasn't like, it was a company. It's, it's hard to pronounce, it's hard to like put into words, but as a company started Canada. The Hudson's Bay. Yeah. So that would be like Google being like, I'm going to buy this fucking island and turn it into a country. They, I mean, the, 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 his, the history is young. We might get to that point. That's true. I would also like to issue an apology to anyone who, uh, uh, you know, loves ikea and is like they don't have cheap furniture they have good quality stuff i apologize that i may have offended you i stand by it though fun fact hudson's bay was actually looking to sell the land to america first and they were willing to pay top dollar for the areas west of ontario but the british government made it clear that that would not be acceptable and as such the area was still very much detached from the government dealings for a long period of time why did they not want the americans to buy it um well then america would have been huge and great britain didn't really like america because america mm. had split off from great britain and they wanted to be like a um an opposing force in the area they didn't mm. want america sounds like Brit- the Brit- british people were being petty <laughs> maybe who knows eventually the cypress hills area was infiltrated by traders from the missouri river town of fort benton montana The trader's presence in 1870, who had large amounts of illegal whiskey, underlines the weakness of the Canadian government's authority west of Winnipeg. And it's that weakness of the government in this area which kind of helped precipitate what happened here. Is precipitate the right word? I don't know. I think the word you're looking for is precipitation. No, that means like water and and water rain. (laughs) 
I stand by what I said. Okay, so the incident I'm talking about today, what Canadian historians call the Cypress Hills Massacre, occurred on June 1st, 1873, near Battle Creek. It involved a group of American bison hunters, American wolf hunters, wolfers, as they were called, American and Canadian whiskey traders, Métis cargo haulers, and a camp of Nakoda people. The Nakoda were camped within shouting distance of two posts operated by Montana traders, Abel Farwell on the west bank of Battle Creek and Moses Solomon to the east. There were 50 lodges of Nakoda people here, as we know it was an important location at the time, and they were led by Chief Manitoupatis. Also in the hills were hundreds of Métis who followed the dwindling bison herds to winter here, far from their Red River homes. So we'll go backtrack a little bit to May 1873, when relations between the forts, the, the trading forts, and the Nakoda camps were bitter, with the Nakoda people especially angry at the man named Solomon. The winter previous to this had been hard in the area and food supplies were scarce. The situation was tense when in rode a dozen angry wolfers from Fort Benton in Montana. Now, why were this group of men angry, you might ask? What were these men angry? <laughs> See, you thought I'd say, ask why, I was but you, you, mess, you, you underestimated me. I did. Well, a few weeks earlier or days, depending on the source, about 40 of their horses were stolen from their camp out in the bush in Montana. Sorry, so the people, the wolfers' from horses Montana. were stolen? Yeah. These, these were not the indigenous folk. These were Correct. the, uh, the yeah. whites. Back in Montana, their their horses were stolen. And this was this happened a couple of weeks before they rode up into camp. Okay. Yeah. Um, so their large herd of animals had not been closely guarded, as the wolfers had not expected a raid that close to Fort Benton in America. They asked the authorities at Fort Benton to help get the horses back, but the authorities refused, so the wolfers organized their own expedition to retrieve the horses. They tracked their missing horses north into Canada, where they lost the trail, and entered Abel Farwell's post on the last day in May in a foul mood. So now they're here in Saskatchewan, in the Cypress Hills, near Fort Walsh. Well, what would become Fort Walsh? Here, they continued their search for their lost animals, thinking it had perhaps been the Nakoda in the area who had taken them. But Farwell assured the wolfers that the Nakoda was poor and had very few animals of their own. And also that part makes me like, you guys lost your horses in Montana. Like, why would you think that this is now these people up here in Cypress Hills had come down to steal your horses? Like, it just seems strange to me. Anything to blame the indigenous folk, I guess. I guess so, yes. At Farwell's fort was one of their old friends, a man named George Hammond, who had been selling whiskey in the area. As such, the wolfers spent the evening drinking, having no particular business ahead of them the next day. They then began drinking early the next morning of June the 1st, with Solomon joining in the festivities. Around noon, a trader named George Hammond's horse went missing. So we've got another missing horse now. Cursing in both English and French, he began shouting that the Nakoda had stolen it, suggesting that the Nakoda thought they would be rewarded with whiskey if they returned it. Hammond insisted that this was the second time the Nakoda had taken his horse. So he started towards the camp, insisting that the wolfers join him to help retrieve his horse. And of course, the wolfers, who were drunk and already pissed off, needed no encouragement. They grabbed their rifles and proceeded towards the camps. In the meantime, one man discovered that Hammond's horse had only wandered off and shouted this to the men who were barreling down on the Nakoda camp. Unfortunately, by this time it was too late and there were no level heads willing to listen. So he was just drunk and didn't tie his horse up. Yes. Oh. (laughs) 
What happened next was pieced together from contradictory witness statements. Farwell later said that he tried to dissuade the angry men from becoming violent, and when this failed, he waded across the river to the Nakota camp. He claimed that there he found a Nakota headman and struck a deal by which he would take two Nakota horses as security until the missing horse could be found. Farwell knew little or no Nakota language, but swore afterwards that he made himself understood and that the headman had agreed. Also around this time, a Métis person ran across to the camp to warn the Nakota of the approaching danger, and the people in the camp began to run away in fear. Apparently, all parties in this altercation were intoxicated, and negotiations between Hammond and the chief fell through as women and children began fleeing from the camp, and the chief's men began stripping off their garments in preparation for battle. The wolfers regarded these... Sorry, just like... They're stripping off their, their garments, they're like taking off their belts, like... Getting ready to like, like fucking be like an angry dad or something like that to hit them with their belts. Maybe. The wolfers regarded these actions as a signal for a fight and lined up along the riverbank 50 yards outside the camp. Hammond returned to the wolfers on the edge of the coulee. Now, what's a coulee, Dakota? Oh, let me tell you about a coulee, okay? So uh, down where I come from, there's uh, there's river hills, right? And they go down into the, we, we call it the coulee. So it's like you got your flat land. And it goes, oh, it's flat, 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 flat. All of a sudden, it drops down. Who says Saskatchewan is flat? That's I tell flat. you, it ain't. I tell you, it ain't. I tell you, it ain't flat. Yes, our wedding pictures are in a coulee. We're, they're in a coulee. And, and it's basically just big rolling hills that go downwards. And then there might be a stream. There's the North Saskatchewan River. Or is it south? You were the one that grew it's up there. It's one of them. <laughs> I don't know my directions too well there. but So, rolling hills down very steep don't trip you'll fall on a cactus that yeah. happened to me once oh maybe we should post one of our wedding pictures so people can see what a coolie is and also look at how cute we are well that seems uh uh self-indulgent there dear that's true dare bud yeah dear bud. so farwell fearing a disaster again told the nakota to scatter and according to his own testimony he went to speak with the wolfers and tried to prove that hammond's horse had actually been returned but by this time, it was too late. The thing that I find interesting about this Abe Farwell guy is that mm-hmm. in the testimony that he provides, it really seems like he's trying to make himself look like really good. Well, yeah, I've, that's that's us weights. <laughs> um, someone, possibly Hammond, fired a shot, which was followed by indiscriminate fire at the unprotected Nakota camp. With Winchester and Henry repeating rifles, the men in the sheltered coulee fired volley after volley into the camp. The Nakota tried to fight back, but as they did not have the same modern weapons as the Wolfers did, their situation was hopeless. Men, women, and children fled, most headed for some timber 50 meters to the east. Did they yell, TIMBER! <laughs> as they headed down. towards it. <laughs> I'm yelling TIMBER! Others hid in bushes lining the coulee or crossed the river. Many were shot as they fled. Once the battle was over, the Wolfers packed up their belongings and returned south. Of the Nakota people, 20 were murdered, while the Wolfers only lost one man. So up until the massacre that happened recently in Newfoundland, this was actually the massacre with the most deaths in Canada. Okay. So, which was, I thought, very interesting. So the Wolfer man was buried in a rough wooden coffin under the site of Solomon's Post, and there was no burial for the Nakota, however, and their bones lay on the site for years. News of the massacre spread slowly. Abe Farwell reported it to the authorities in Montana, who relayed it to Washington. 
The Métis brought the same news to Winnipeg, and both reports reached Ottawa around the end of August 1873. For three years, the federal government tried to bring the murderers to justice, which I thought was interesting. In July 1873, officers of the new Northwest Mounted Police traveled to Montana, but failed to extradite seven men. Another three were captured in Canada, and they were tried, but then acquitted in Winnipeg in June 1876. So acquitted means that they were not got, charged. They got off. Yeah. They, these white people, they all love to get off. <laughs> yep. The attack had been confusing, and no witness under oath would incriminate any specific prisoners. All charges were dropped in 1882. While the U.S. government cooperated, public opinion in Montana favored the Wolfers, while in Winnipeg, support was divided. The massacre confirmed for the Canadian government that the West needed a police force, which the government had actually already begun to, cre to create. Around this time, the lieutenant governor of Manitoba was concerned with perceived threat perceived threats of violence to uninformed Canadians and Americans who were conducting geological surveys, and as a result, any further surveying had to be called off until there was a solution in the area. So the lieutenant governor of Manitoba was like, we need a police force, these geographical survey people are getting hurt, and then the government was like, yeah, we'll see, and then this thing happened, and the government was like, yeah, we should probably actually have um, a police force out here. They said, we need a hero. Someone who wears a goofy red outfit, a brown sort of puffy pants, you know, <laughs> some stupid looking boots, a cowboy hat, but stupid looking. <laughs> yep. And then they ride horses. So they're kind of like horse girls. <laughs> That's right. And that is me tearing down our RCMP. royal mounted police good thank you <laughs> all all royal mounted police are bastards <laughs> that, that was the saying right you uh, know so that would be a r c m p a b <laughs> was that an actual the all cops are bastards was there an actual a c a b i think that sounds dumb i prefer <laughs> just to be like all royal mounted police are <laughs> bastards and then just make it make it the longest acronym as possible and their wives should be disgraced for marrying them. I don't even know if I could. So, <laughs> A-R-C-M-P-A-B-A-T-W-S-B-D-F-M-T. Rolls off the dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... The governor of Manitoba wants a police force created. Um, he used this massacre as a way to call on the Prime Minister of Canada, John A. Macdonald, to create the police force. Macdonald envisioned a horse-mounted brigade whose force would be small, only about 300 men, and who would traverse the area in a way that was as mobile as possible. He um, actually uh, fast like created it off of these Irish-mounted brigades in Ireland, apparently. Ah, so he was a horse girl. <laughs> Yes, John A. Macdonald was a horse girl. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> when the news of the Cypress Hills Massacre broke into eastern Canada, it introduced a wave of anti-Americanism. In the news, the American men were described as American gangsters and American scum. Ooh. The idea that only... <laughs> no, I just... American scum? But <laughs> if you re rewrote it... If you if you put a space in there, certain in a certain space, 
you could do you know what i'm going for here i know what you're going for it's just american scum stop <laughs> americans come <laughs> the idea that only american frontiersmen could commit this outrage had been maintained in many canadian written accounts of the massacre although also at the same time not a lot of people really cared so it's like what what are we talking about here but anyways canadians were not only shocked that the americans had committed such a crime in their country but now the media was putting an increased negative view on americans Canadians believe that Americans would continually murder people on Canadian soil. The incident remains important to the Nakoda in the area, where some have been working to obtain protection for the site of the 1873 camp. So Dakota, what do you think? Well, I want to start by saying this. I don't think I'm going to give this episode a rating. Okay. I don't think it's appropriate to... I know this is me saying this. I, as I've said lots of horrible things, but we're talking about uh, a massacre of a bunch of in- indigenous people so i don't think it's yeah i don't think it's re- appropriate to give a rating be like oh this i give it uh you know mm-hmm. whatever out of whatever based on the fact that a bunch of indigenous people were killed by us fox yes uh so uh sorry listeners you're not gonna get a funny rating this this week but i i do have a sort of a topic of conversation to go into sure what and where are they RCMP these days? I am I, as a Canadian. I don't know what they do because we have cops. We yeah. have actual cops. Yeah. So what the fuck did the RCMP do? And where are they? Because I've never seen them. Um. So the RCMP is the federal police. So they deal, and I don't know what would be a federal issue, but they yeah. deal with um what is like federal jurisdiction right stuff. So, um. I mean, I think they would be like the liaison if um, a criminal from Canada bopped on over to America mm. or somewhere internationally because like a Saskatoonian, Saskatoonian police wouldn't be able to be like, ah, yes, let's do this stuff. But the RCMP, because they're like the Canadian yeah. police. Do we have them in yeah. Saskatchewan? Yeah. But like, do they wear their... No, no, no. So anymore? they don't wear those outfits. I think they only wear those outfits for like ceremonial. Yeah, shit. yeah. That's so, good because they look dumb. I. So here's the thing. Yeah. When I was younger, oh god, I wanted to be a Mountie because I was a horse girl. You were like ugh, John A. McDonald gross. was. I have no other or any similarities to John A. McDonald because he's a racist bastard. Other than no, I would we say were a horse I, girl. I would say you share that pretty well. No, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't say that. I'm just kidding. I'm anti-racist. Um, what? I try really hard to be anti-racist. You say you're anti-racist, but I heard they call you down on the streets anti-racist. <laughs> That's actually a funny joke. Right? Here comes anti-racist. <laughs> it's, it's clever. It's clever. So the point is, I'm glad they don't wear these dumb outfits anymore. Right. They have cars. They do? They don't ride yeah. horses anymore? Just for ceremonies. So, okay. like, right, there's the RCMP training barracks in Regina. Oh. Okay. Well, anyways, back to the actual meat of the conversation. I mean, well, I'm not going to give it a rating. I, 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 Canadian history doesn't do it so much for me, so it wasn't, like, super gripping. Mm-hmm. Um, It's it, uh, obviously awful, you know, piece of shit drunken wolfers you know um which sounds like it could be a racial slur (laughs) (laughs) you you goddamn wolfers 
hey, that is our word. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I mean, Canadian history just doesn't. Uh, I know, it doesn't get doesn't you going. doesn't jive. But I will say uh, that uh, actually going to uh, Fort Walsh and actually talking to um, these gentlemen, that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd fully recommend going to it because you or even looking it up i feel like um some of our listeners will yeah find it interesting just looking up like what fort walsh looks like and stuff like that it's very cool we got a a tour of it and uh yeah it was cool it was like so you had to serve in this um if you were going to serve at fort walsh uh you had you were promised that you had to do at least three years and then after your three years of service, you would get a plot of land given to you. And then they went and changed their mind. And they're like, ooh, now it's going to be you can you do five years and you don't get jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so I found that very interesting. So yeah. you actually really did enjoy the tour and learning all of that history, which I was a proud wife. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I went uh, to climb a hill. Uh, yeah, it was it was really cool. So if you're ever in Saskatchewan or Alberta, I'd recommend checking out yeah. Fort Walsh. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review or tell your friends about us because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian or leave us a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash The Historian. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to The Reluctant Historian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. I need a hero. Someone to get me through the edge of the night. And he's got to be strong. And he's got to be brave. And he's got to be larger than life. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. And cat. <laughs> <laughs>